Amen. I'm coming from the other side this time. Hey, you may be seated. You may be seated. God is good. I am stoked. Always love it. I get ready for this. You know, I'm like, got my hearing on, God's talking, and he always is talking to me about something to add to it, like just before you walk up. And I'm like, really, God? <laughs> you going to throw something else in there? So I want to talk to you about more than I could fit in the time slot. So if we're here a couple of hours, just bear with me. We'll get there. No, I'm not going to do that to you. It doesn't feel that way, though. So Jesus came, and he's preaching the kingdom. And I just realized I didn't introduce myself, for those that don't know me. My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. For those online, hello. So Jesus came preaching the kingdom. And it says it was the good news of the kingdom that he preached, the good news of the kingdom. And so if you didn't recognize this, like in Scripture, the good news that pre Jesus preached was the good news of the kingdom. Right? And he said things like, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we, we look at that and we're like, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's like king, the kingdom's coming a long way off. Right? But that's not actually what it says. Because the word at hand literally means to put out your hand. And so what he's saying is, if you put out your hand, the kingdom is right there. And he makes statements like, the kingdom is within you. Right? And, and, and it's, the kingdom's here. The kingdom's now. He, he's talking about the kingdom's congregation. And, and, and so it's hard to wrap our heads around that exactly. Right, And so I want to help you a little bit today of understanding an expectation of what it's like to go after the kingdom. So what would the kingdom of heaven be like? Now, in the Old Testament, which is full of these types and shadows of talking, showing us what Jesus is like, what, what God's doing with us and redemption, and like, it's all through the Old Testament, like all types of types and shadows. One of those, the, one of the big ones really, is the promised land, right? And so if you want to kind of get a, 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 a physical representation of what the kingdom looks like, think of the promised land. In the promised land, and I'm not talking about like the promised land Jesus came to when he was alive. I'm talking about the one God tried to set up from the beginning, okay? So God says, when we go into this land, I'm going to be there in the middle of you, Right? So you're not going to have a king. I'm going to be your king. You're going to know I'm there. See, God actually manifested himself where people could see it, experience him, right? He, was, he wasn't hidden. And so they lived in this land where there was abundance. God's in the middle of them. They can experience God. They would, they would, go, to, they would go and meet at these feasts, and, and God's presence would be there, and the people would just be rejoicing. There's peace in the land. There's joy in the land. The land is right. It's the way it was always designed to be. In fact, if Eden hadn't been interrupted, the Garden of Eden probably would have looked like that, right? Because what would in the Garden of Eden... God's in the middle of it. So there's, that, that is some imagery of what it's like. So, so when, G, when, when, when the question, like, what is the kingdom? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's talking about us having the kingdom in us in such a way that we experience things being right the way God designed them to be. We are full of peace, full of joy. And so when we experience those things now, we're actually experiencing the kingdom operating. It's like we're stepping into the kingdom. But the problem is we struggle with staying in the kingdom. You know what I mean? You know, I, I don't know about you guys, but me, you know, driving down the road, somehow the kingdom of God disappears. I've lost all my righteousness, peace, and joy. You know what I'm saying? We interact with people, and we don't always, like, we can't always feel it. But what if we're designed to? Like, what if that's where he's taking us? See, because if I was to ask the question, if we're following Jesus, 
If we're like the children of Israel following God, going to the promised land, where is he going? He's going to the promised land. See, he's taking you there. Now, our problem is we struggle with actually following him. That's what the problem is, right? And so I'm going to pull that apart a little bit so that you can see some things that maybe you haven't seen before. Now, one of the things I want you to show you, if, if you're questioning, is this the will of God, okay? Everybody know the Lord's Prayer? If you don't, you look it up, right? And, the, the, and it's really not the Lord's Prayer. It's more like the disciples' prayer because I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't need to pray it, right? You know, and, he's, and they, said, they asked Jesus, well, how do we pray? And he says, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Like, you are holy God, Right? Your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's that talking about? The kingdom. So what's the will of God? The will of God is that the kingdom would manifest heaven on earth. That's what it means. So that's what God's doing. So if we want to know what God's doing, that's what he's doing. Then, he's, then it says this. Give us this day our daily bread. Hmm. You know the story of the, uh, when they come out of Egypt, the, the children of Israel, they go in the desert. What does he give them? He gives them manna. Right? He becomes their provider. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. If you know the story about what happened is when they come out of G- Egypt, it represents what? Them coming out of sin, coming out of the cap- captivity of sin. Right? And he says, kill the lamb. They eat Passover, representing Jesus. It's talking about redemption there. Our stepping into forgiveness and being able to forgive is is him being redeemer. Right? Then he says, and deliver us from the evil one. If you look, look in the story again, what does he deliver him from? As deliverer, every, when the Egyptians try to keep him, he whacks him. When they go out in the desert, everybody that's trying to whack on them, he whacks them. Right? So your enemies get whacked. I'm not talking about the person next to you. I'm talking about the spiritual enemy. Right? He's not interested in whacking people. But so every time, everything the enemy wants to do, he's setting himself up to be deliverer. The struggle that we have is actually seeing him that way. And so, you know, as, as, I'm, as he's talking to me about this, I'm like, oh, God, how do I make this more simple? Because, like, he's, he's giving it to me. It's like, oh, man, this is, like, huge. And there's, there's kind of, like, three areas that you can almost boil everything down to. He wants you to recognize that he's redeemer, that he's deliverer, and he's provider. Okay? And, 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 and I would even say... That if you're struggling with going into the promised land, could it be you don't know him as redeemer? Or you haven't yet seen him as provider? Or you haven't yet seen him and recognized him as deliverer? Just hold that thought. Because it's interesting, when he approaches the children of Israel through Moses... He makes statements like this. I'm going to redeem you. You are a holy people unto me. That phraseology that you're a holy people unto me means I've purchased you. You are mine. Now, they don't have to be his, right? They could walk away. We don't have to be his. We could walk away. But he starts this thing out and he says... I've redeemed you. Isn't that what Jesus did at the cross? Right? He redeems us, and, he's, and, he, and he basically he tells the world, and this is part of what he was saying just before I, the music started. Whew. I could hear him say this. You're mine. I'm telling all the spiritual realm you're mine. I'm telling all the earth you're mine. Do you want to be mine? And that's where redemption starts. 
It starts with, he's saying, I've done everything I had to do to get you free. But in that process, do you recognize your mind? I'm the one that created everything. Are you okay with being mine? So they follow him out of Egypt. They do the Passover, represent Jesus dying for us. They receive it, that they eat it. He says, come on, let's go. We're going to leave Egypt now. What do they do? They go through the Red Sea. They get baptized. And they're on this journey. So he's saying, follow me out of Egypt. Then he's saying, follow me to the mountain. So they go to this mountain, and there they meet with God. God's wanting to talk to them. Unfortunately for those guys, they didn't really want to talk to him. They're like, you're scary. Don't want to talk to you. Talk to Moses. We'll talk to Moses. But if, if, if you look at it, what he did at that point, he set it up. You know, I'm going to back up a little bit right, in a moment. Right? But if you look at the 50,000-foot view, what happens? Ten commandments are given. They're introduced to way God sees. This is how I see things. We look at the Ten Commandments and we're like, oh, man, we got to do this stuff. And God's like, no, no, no. This is when your heart is orientated the way it's designed to be. When I, I, I help you step into your identity, this is how you see. See, God wasn't like, you know, and he's interacting with Jesus, and Jesus is not, oh, okay, you know, i got to follow the Ten Commandments. I'm pretty sure Jesus is just like, that's who I am. Right? He, he, there was nothing in him that didn't see that way. And that's really what he's trying to do. He's like, hey, uh, all, and, and you look at like all the laws, these rules, and do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, right? They're all like a, a physical representation that speaks to that there, God has a way of seeing that's incongruent with your natural way of seeing. And so in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, which is the covenants between him, Jesus and God, it's not between us and God, in this new covenant, we get to step into this thing, and God's saying this, I took care of sin. Sin is not the problem anymore. Okay, Your sin doesn't separate you from God, because I took care of that. So is there any sin that Jesus did not take care of? It's important to know that. See, so then sin isn't separating you. from Your shame is separating you. Right? And this is why you can walk by grace and not by the law. He's not asking you to follow the law to get to him. He's saying, I've taken care of the, the sin issue. Now I need you to understand I'm trying to fill you up, walk with you, help you transform into the person you're designed to be because you're designed to walk with me. And if you'll get back up and walk with me, I can take you into the promised land. I know it couldn't be that simple. But it is. <laughs> Learning to see him is part of the process. When I say see him, it's to see the way we see needs to change. I'm going to give you a New Testament scripture. Luke 12, 27. And I, I want, you can see this when we read this, you're going to see this in the scripture. He said this, Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today, thrown in the fire tomorrow, well, he, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? He's saying, why are you worrying about this stuff? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows what you need. This next scripture, this next thing he says, gives you the indication that when you seek the kingdom of God above all else, 
he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for, he, it, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. One of the indications of me seeing him as provider is whether or not I worry about provision. If I worry about provision, I am still struggling with seeing him as provider. The answer is when I seek the king, my God, you are provider. You, I'm going after what you're saying, go after. I'm, I'm talking to you in the mornings. I'm talking to you throughout the day. I'm talking to you throughout the, the, in the evenings. I'm, I'm connecting to you. I want to know what you're saying about things. I want, I want to see you. I want to be with you. I, I want to connect with you. I, I'm going after you. And as I go after the kingdom, everything else falls in line. Because who's like in the kingdom? He's the kingdom. So I'm going to take you back to the children of Israel. So the children of Israel, they come out of Egypt, right? The Egyptians get the major smackdown. I mean, it, it, how, could you, how could you like be like, oh, I don't know really if that was God. If you don't know the story, you've got to read the story. I mean, they get whacked. You know, and, 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 and there's, this, there's this area of land where the children of Israel are at, right? And they don't experience none of it, right? But all around them, you know, cattle are dying. There's flies. There's frogs. They, you know, water's turned to blood. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. And the, and the Egyptians are just like, oh, my gosh. You know, but, you know and Pharaoh's like, I'm not going to let the children of Israel go. And they're, they're people are like, please, let them go. And they send them out, and they... Passover happens, they get out, you know, and they're trying to cross the Red Sea, and, and the Egyptians are like, no, you know, Pharaoh changes his mind, no, you can't go. I don't know about you, when I first came to Jesus, I kind of experienced that. The enemy is like, no, I'm not going to let you go. And I'm like, ah, the enemy. And God's like, just relax, let me show you who I am. I'm going to show you what it's like for me to be deliverer. Shazump. And where are they? <laughs> They're all gone. The enemy that you're so worried about didn't keep you from getting out of Egypt. And he takes us into the desert. And if you don't know, like, you're not a person in Israel in this particular uh, type and shadow. You are actually Israel. I'm Israel. Like, the, the story of Israel going through the desert and getting into the promised land is the story of me. It's the story of you. And so, they're in the desert for a while. And, whew, man, there's no food. There's no food. You know, and you got to love the Israelites. They are so grumbly. They are so grumbly. God, why did we come out here? We're going to kill us. It was so much better in Egypt. We had onions and leeks. I'm thinking, oh, that's what you're really, you're like, wow, I have onions and leeks. I wouldn't be at the top of my list, but okay. And God's like, Okay. Relax, relax, relax. How about this? I will give you food from heaven. Supernaturally. This stuff is going to show up in the morning when you wake up, and you just go out and collect it. That's all you got to do. Just go collect it. And it's like bread. Manna from heaven. And they're like, okay, cool. Oh, God, you're so awesome. Oh, now we can eat. doesn't take them too long before they are like, Oh, we just got this van out. Can't we get something else? He's like, okay, okay, okay. How about some quail? All of a sudden, all the quail in the country seem to show up right at the door in the evening time. You know? Okay, oh God, you're so awesome. And he's showing them, I'm your provider. I'm your provider. I'm they're thirsty, right? They're just, there's no water in this place. Uh, well, we haven't had water for days. You know what they don't do? Like each one of the times, what they don't do is go, God, you are my provider. We need some water. Can we have some water? That's not how they respond. They don't respond in faith. They respond with, oh, God, I can't believe no. What are you going to do? Oh, we're all dying. I know that, like, I've never done that before, right? And he gives them water. You know, they meet him at the mountain. 
He shows up in their midst, and then all of a sudden he covers them. He's like, not only like is he with Moses now, like he shows up in their midst. He says, build this little tent, and I'm going to show up, right? And he shows up in the midst of them. And if you don't know what that is, like that represents being filled with the Holy Ghost. Because if you're the totality of Israel, and all of a sudden God's in the middle of you, right? That's what it's representing. And he covers them, right? The sun no longer is just torching them. He like makes a cloud. I'm, I'm going to protect you from the sun. What an amazing God. You know, he's like, you need an umbrella? I'll be your umbrella. Yeah. Because they're, they're, if you don't know, like they're in the Arabian desert. Pretty sure. I, if you ever, have you ever been in the desert before? It is hot. Yeah. And then at nighttime, the temperature drops because there's like no humidity, right? So he's like, I get you there too. I'll be a pillar of fire. Pillar of fire at night. Big cloud of the day, giving you a covering. I'm covering you. Just hold on. I can't go into that too much. I don't have enough time. Okay? But he's your covering. And then not only that, he says, hey, I'm even going to help you know when to move. When I start moving, you start packing up and let's go. It's not hard. He's like, he makes it super simple. And so he leads them, right? And as they're going to the promised land, they're trucking along. And these big bad dudes want to fight them. You know? And God's like, no problem. I got this. Right? And so they go to fight them. And this is the story when Aaron's hands are up. They're or not Aaron. Uh, Moses' hands up. They're winning. You know, he's dropping his hands. They start losing. So they get up, they help him. They get through the day. They fight all. And they just whoop the tar out of him. And barely anybody dies in Israel. Right? What is he showing? He, I'm your deliverer. The enemy coming against you is not a problem. I, he's like, I don't have a problem fighting them. It's nothing for me. And if I'm with you, if I'm in you, you have everything you need to overcome the enemy. You, you starting to see a pattern? He's working on convincing us, I'm your redeemer, I'm your provider, I'm your uh, deliverer. I am all of these things, if you'll let me be them. Now, it gets really interesting when he gets to the promised land, though. This becomes a challenge, right? Because they get to the promised land the first time, and like, okay, we can do this, right? We're going to do this. Okay, each tribe, send a person to the land. We're going to go check it out. So those guys truck into the land, recon mission. They get some stuff, and they steal some fruit on the way out, right? They got this like, big old thing of gigantic grapes and pomegranates and you know all kinds of stuff. And they're like, wow, this place is awesome. But there are giants in the land. The God that did everything for them, right? It's like they forgot everything again. You know, the giants are going to kill us, you know. And they, they bring the bad report in the hall of Israel's going, oh, the giants are in the land. Why did you bring us here to die? And there's two guys, right? And I want, to, I, want to, I want you to read this with me, right? And so this is, this is right after that. And he's trying to get them to know him. But they, they struggle with knowing him. And so in number 14, it says this. And that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All of Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt! Or in the wilderness, like that was a better option. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for all of us to go back to Egypt? I, you know, I've had times where like, you know what? It was better in the world. I, I've been there, been there. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What an awesome plan. Because it was better in slavery. We could make bricks all day. 
And listen to the, this is the response. And Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly that were gathered there. Joshua and Caleb, who were among those that had explored the land. See, there were two of the 12 spies. They tore their clothes in front of the entire assembly. And this is what they said. The land that we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against God. Do not be afraid of the people of land, because they will dev- we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And so, Unfortunately, right, it says something there that we don't really like to agree with. Because it's true, but we don't really really phrase it that way. That when we say to God, no, I'm sorry, you can't be that strong. You won't really deliver us. That we're actually rebelling against him. I don't don't know about you. I don't want to think about it that way. But that's kind of what it is. And he's trying really hard. He's trying really hard. He's working as hard as he can to get us to understand he's provider. He's deliverer. He has no problem with this stuff. He's taking you to the most awesome place you could possibly go. You can't go anyplace more awesome. And we are like, oh, no, I can't possibly get there. He doesn't like me that much. I'm really not that good. I've sinned way too much. The enemy has to be able to whoop up on me because I don't deserve it. And, you know, and so here's another thing I want to tell you. It's not my favorite thing to say, but it's very true. God's okay with you dying. You know, because like, like I left out a lot of this, right? Because I wanted to get here first, I think, you know, to, to kind of help you see some things. But, you know, there was a bunch of places up until now where they rebelled against God in different ways. And he was just like, okay, swallow them up. They're gone. Fire from heaven. They're gone. And, and, and if that's like, if you represent them as a whole... What is that? That's God killing off the stupid mindsets that we have. He he is more than happy to kill off everything that we think that isn't him. And you wonder why you're going through what you're going through, right? And you think it's arbitrary. It's not arbitrary. God's taking you through the desert looking for opportunities to kill you. Because he loves you. He wants you to enter into the promised land. So when Paul says, I die daily, this is what he's talking about. So, you know, repentance is to think differently after. A lot of times it's after you get whooped. It's after you feel the pain of, man, that was the wrong way to go. You know, probably shouldn't have punched that person in the face. That wasn't Jesus. You know? And, and, and we're like, oh, I can't believe this happened. You know, I, I can't believe the enemy's beating up me up on these things. I can't, you know, is God really with me? And, and it's like, no, he's like, I am definitely with you. I am definitely with you. The question is, are you with me? Because I'm going this way. If you'll follow me and stop getting out from underneath my covering, I can handle this. It is not a problem. But what I can't do is if I step out of the covering, he can't go with me there. He'll be with me there, but he's not going to go with me there. And this is what he, I want you to know. Like, this is like, this message is full of love. I love you. Like, I want to see the best for you. But we have got to do better about recognizing that this isn't all, you know, roses and and lilies. It's not. It's not because he's not offering roses and lilies. It's we keep going back to the the leeks and the onions. 
So the following, this is all about following him. It's following him into freedom. It's following him into relationship. And when I say relationship, you're like, you need to have the Holy Ghost. You're not designed to operate. The, you can't get there without here. Right? There's no getting past go on this one. Right? You're designed for it. He's not withholding it from anybody. It is his good pleasure that you have the kingdom. He is happy to fill you with the Holy Ghost. But I suspect for some of us, we struggle with him actually redeeming us properly. Like, I actually belong to him. I don't get to have my own way. Your Lord so much, whatever you want, I am there. I don't need to control anything. For some of us, the orientation of a heart is the struggle of us stepping into that place because we, we're, just, we're holding back something and God's like, I can't move any further because if you hold it back, you will never get to where we're designed to go. And so he's not like withholding anything from us as much as we're like, and we don't realize it. And when, he, when he's met with us, he wants to take us into the promised land. He wants us to be in the promised land. We need to be in the promised land. We don't belong anywhere else but the promised land. You don't belong where you're at right now. Where you're at, if you're not in the promised land, you don't belong there. He didn't die for that. He's okay with that. He'll work with that. He's got a plan for that, but you don't belong there. It is okay to have expectations. I belong to the promised land. If you're afraid to tell yourself that, maybe that would be a good place to start. It's like, you know what? I belong to the promised land. He is going to do everything. Like All the process of my life is going to get me to the promised land. He's working on getting me to the promised land right now. I get to follow him into the promised land. And if I'm going through something, man, he must really need me to go through this because he's taking me to the promised land. He's working the kingdom into you so that it can work out of you. He's actively doing that right now. And so we're following him into identity. We're following him into taking the possession that he actually gave to us. Now, I'm not going to cover this at all, but I want you to catch this also. For some of you that have started entering into the promised land, he's also trying to get you to recognize he's asking to follow him into stewardship. Because once you get there, you've got to hold it. But I want to backtrack a little bit. You know, anybody that knows me, I'm like, come here, I'm going to poke you in the eye. Yeah, get ready. Get ready. I love you. Just remember that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something you need to hear, you need to agree with. It's not my opinion. doesn't matter. You agree with it or not, it doesn't affect me in the slightest. Right? The reason why I'm going to tell you this is you need this. You can't even, you can't, Keep the promised land. You can't go into the promised land and expect to stay there unless you understand this. Have I got you ready? Okay. I want to start by helping you understand something. We do celebration for a reason. When we celebrate just before the preacher comes up here, Right? That portion we call celebration, when we give, we do that for a reason. You can see in Scripture, like when he was about ready to bring him in the promised land the second time, right? Now, at this point, everybody's died off except for Joshua and Caleb, right? As they went into the promised land. So the, only, the two spies were the only ones that went into the promised land that were alive. Moses was on the other side still, and it gives the indication that God took him. Okay? Everybody else over the age of 20 was died off. Every thought process that kept them going into the promised land died off. They are ready now. They are rocking and rolling. God can do anything. You guys are in trouble. I feel sorry for you. The enemy, you ain't got a chance. 
God is our provider. He's our deliverer. We belong to him. He's redeemed us. We are his people. And we follow him anywhere he wants to go. And he's like, okay, y'all ready? Let me tell you a little something about when you get there. When you get there, I want to remind you that, remember, I talked to you about tithing and offerings before. I want to fill you in on a little something. When you get there, see, see up until now, you haven't really grown anything because you've been walking around like nomads, right? Had some, like, sheep, goats, camels, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. And so you were tithing what you could tithe, right? But we're going to go into a whole new phase now. We're going to go in a phase of abundance. Listen to how he describes this. He tells me, you're going to go in, you're going to bring to me your first fruits, like that first harvest. You're going to gather some of that first harvest up. You're going to head to the place where I'm, I'm residing at, which was Jerusalem, right, where I've set myself up in your midst. You're going to go to that place, and you're going to take that food, and you're going to have a party. Listen to how he phrases it. But I want you to say some stuff first. When you bring it, you're going to present it. This is what you're going to say. And it goes on, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to catch it towards the end because you'll, for time's sake. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, with great terror and signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. He says, I want you to place it in a basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. And then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord has given you to you and your household. He basically is like, you're going to eat this. You guys are going to take some of that food, right? You brought first fruits. You're gonna, and you're, you're all going to eat it together. You're going to have a party. He's like, I want you to say, when I give you abundance, it's okay for you to celebrate in that abundance with other people. Then he says this, and when you've finished and setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, this is what I want you to do for the special third year. The year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Think about this. If everybody in this house gave, do you think we would lack for anything? Wonder, I wonder what that would look like. Can't say I've ever seen it yet, but I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping. Do you know why he's talking like that? Think about this. You got a God that shows up and he does amazing stuff. He's like super dude. Like amazing. It's never not amazing. And every single battle is getting won, right? You go out into Jericho, walls fall. Go to the next place, or maybe the one after that. I'll have to tell you that story in just a second. You know, and then battle after battle, you're winning. You're taking the land. You're settling into the land. Man, look at this house. Would you like this house? Yeah, you, you take that house. You know, hey, ooh, cool vineyard. Did you ever want to grow wine? This vineyard's for you. Apple orchards, pear orchards, I don't know what kind of, you know, fig trees. All right? There's cattle, there's sheep, there's, man, there's land everywhere. You get to step into this, and there's just abundance. And see, he's already said, like, like, when you step into this relationship with me, where you know me, you honor me, you see me as provider, you see me as deliverer, the stuff just grows. The cattle produce. Everything is producing. Why? Because you understand who I am, and you're operating in one with me. You're following me. You're, you're one with me. And when you're one with me and you're in the kingdom, what happens to the kingdom? There's abundance in the kingdom. This place is like awesome. It's exciting. It really is. For, you know, for I, there's a lot of you going, man, I hope he's telling the truth. I understand that. I mean, that's the way I was. But I can tell you, the more I hear him, the more I recognize, this is what he's giving us. 
Now, there's a spiritual connotation to this, right? If you're looking at this and saying, he's going to give me like 50 houses. He might, I don't know. But that's not the point. You're going to have abundance if you go here. But if you go here because you're having abundance, you're going for the wrong reason. Because why? Seek the kingdom. And all of this stuff is going to be added to you. Everything you need is going to be there. But are you getting the picture now? So when you're in this place, like, woo, this is awesome. And God's like, hey, I want you to give this to me. This is mine. You're like, sure, you can have whatever you want. If everybody got a million dollars right now, right? I would hope, right? I would hope, right? If someone over there is like, hey, I just came to the church. You guys are like so blessed. You know, you'd be like, hey, would you like $100,000? Right? I want to bless you. You need, you, you need a house. Like, I'm, you know what? I feel like God's saying, give you a house. We're going to give you a house. Right? You wouldn't be thinking, I don't know if I have enough. I don't know if I can survive with less than what I have right now. Right? Because your whole mindset's different. So when Dwayne's talking about it being a party, this is what he's talking about. It's a party. The kingdom of heaven's a party. There's abundance of spiritual blessings that flow into natural blessings too. There's so much he's given us. So in the same way that God has said, you belong to me, will you give me you? He's also saying this. This is backing up. I'm going to back up to where God was talking to him about the tithing. Right? And so Leviticus 27, I'm going to read 30, and I'm going to jump to 32, just so you can kind of see how God presents this. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, from soil, or fruit, from trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Do you see the phraseology? That's the same thing he said about Israel. That's the same thing he says about you. It belongs to me. You're mine. I made you holy. And once you're set apart to me, you get the holiness that I carry. But you're mine. And then he's saying to you and me, he's saying, if I say this is mine, are you okay with it? I do that just to take some of the pressure off, just so you know. 32, every, tit, every tithe, every tenth of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. And this is what he meant. You gathered your, everything you had, you send it through the chute, and every tenth one, that belongs to God. That belongs to God. That belongs to God. It doesn't matter what they look like. If they was your best heifer, those farmers out there, I do know some words. If it was your best heifer, he's saying, that belongs to me. It's not my opinion. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm not giving you my theology. I'm just telling you what he said. Just saying. So then the question comes back. He's asking you, am I your provider? Is it okay if this belongs to me? You see this again. Remember when I said they went into Jericho? If you haven't read the story, cool, very cool story. They go to Jericho. God's like, hey, just march around the city, blow trumpets. You're going to do all this stuff. Wall's going to come down. Then you're going to go and take them. This is what he says. Jericho belongs to me. Don't touch it. It's mine. Unfortunately, gotta love Aiken. Sometimes I think I've been aching. Aching for some more pain. Sometimes this witty stuff God gives me, I'm really not this witty in person in real life, just so you know. It's like a whole different me shows up here. And so Aiken is like, ooh, gold, ooh, man, ooh, cool-looking clothes. They, these guys got some cool-looking clothes when we take those clothes, right? God won't know. And so, so afterwards, this is what happens. 
Joshua 7. This is how God responds to them after they get the battle, right? Then they go to the next battle and they lose. And they're like, whoa, what's happening? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. All of a sudden we're losing battles. That hasn't happened before. Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stole some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. Imagine you're God. You know that there's no way I can help the person next to you unless they can see me as provider and they can see me as deliverer and they're willing to submit themselves to me, that they belong to me, that they can't enter the kingdom because the kingdom can't work for them because that mindset works against them. That's God's perspective. You know that. You're God. You're like, okay, how do I help them see that? If you're a parent, do you set rules? Why? Are you okay? I mean, I know we love our teenagers, but, you know, well, I don't really agree with you, Mom and Dad. How's that working out in the family? Just, you know, doesn't really work really good, right? Sometimes you're like, take them, God, take them. (laughs) There's something going on there. See, there's some things God's saying to us, hey, I need you to recognize that when I say this is mine, I'm doing it so that you'll know your heart's not right with me. And if you're wondering why the enemy's still beating you up, when you know, like I've, been, I've traveled through the, 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 the desert with you. I've been filled with your spirit. I've been learning this stuff. I've, I've been getting it most of the time. But I'm still struggling with entering into prosperity where the Spirit of God is prosperous in my life. The natural world is responding to that prosperity of the, that this, the kingdom of God is operating in me. And I struggle with it. I'm going to ask you the question. If you're struggling what God has said is his, could it be that's the reason why? That he gave you that so that you would know, oh, there's something that still needs to die. Are you okay with letting something die? Some of us have been walking with God for a while, and we've always struggled with ties, and we struggle with getting into the promised land. For you, this might be one of the reasons. For some of us, we might be struggling with letting, us, letting him redeem us. Some of you have heard, man, he's a redeemer. He wants you because he loves you. He's going after you. But you struggle with just giving your life to him and saying, I'm okay with you having me. Because you're not asking for my stuff. You're asking for me. Some of you have been to that place already where he's pulled you out of Egypt and you're struggling at the place of receiving his spirit. And he's saying, hey, just give up the last of it. Let me in the middle of you and I'll lead you where you need to go. Wherever you're at, it is okay. Because there is a God that loves you so much, he'll do whatever it takes to get you. Because he values you. He's always wanted you. He can't imagine you being anywhere else but him, with him. And so if you could stand your feet
So I'm going to ask you the question one more time. And this is what I hear him saying. Are you okay with him saying, that's mine? Will you give it to me? If you're there, I'm going to ask you to move. For those of you that are at that place where God, I want to give you me. Because I've never been able to do that yet. Just come down, come up on this side. There's some people that are going to pray with you. For those that are wanting to be filled, come down. We ask you to do something because sometimes staying in the same place is not a good idea. Move with him. Feel after him. God, where are you moving right now? And just spend time loving on him. Let him have you. Let him tell you if there's anything kind of that you've put in the way. He wants to show you what that is. And for those that have struggled with tithing, this is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to talk to him about it. See, I don't want to be in the place where you're doing it because the guy up here said so. It's probably better than nothing but it's not the place you're supposed to be. If you feel that, let him talk to you about it and say to him, God, it's yours, and then do something about it. Don't keep it in your pocket. I could, give you, I could try to prove it through scripture, and I could. It, tithing existed all the way from the beginning. It's been part of the plan. You, and you saw this with Abraham, who was the father of faith, he gave the tithe. And it, it started before the Old Testament and it's lasting past the Old Testament because it's still in that place of God. Do I trust you with me? And do I trust you with my stuff? Because it's not my stuff, it's your stuff. And so you feel free to come down, think differently, connect to him, repent, and then do something about it.